How many of you had some change happen? You don't have to raise your hand, but how many of you had some significant change happen in your life through the course of this year? Change is happening all the time, isn't it? I mean, we're, we're constantly changing. And yet, in the midst of all that changes, there are some things that never change. And isn't it wonderful that in a world that is constantly living with the reality of change, and sometimes the things that frustrate us are, are something that changes, and yet in the midst of all the change that surrounds us, there is one who is eternally the same. He is what he was yesterday, he is today, and he always will be. And the word of God that lives and abides forever, it's what you and I can go to the bank on, so to speak. We can build our lives upon the unchanging truths of the word of God. Well, tonight, I mentioned we're going to kind of jump in and uh, buckle your seatbelt because we're going to take kind of that 30,000-foot view of what takes place at Campus Church and give a little bit of our history and then who are we what has been happening, and then we're going to address some of what we call the different communities of Campus Church. So as we start this service, the first thing that I thought would be valuable for us to do is just back up a little bit. So we're going to rewind and we're going to answer some questions for some that would already know this information. But there are so many people that are newer here at Campus Church. I think it's important for us to at least ask and then answer the question, how did Campus Church begin? So how is it that we actually, um, how did the Lord birth this place that we call Campus Church? Well, if you wanted to, to rewind uh, about 50 years, our first service was actually on July 21, 1974. And Campus Church at that point began with the desire of having a place of shared worship for both a college community and what we'd refer to as the greater community of Pensacola. And you say, well, well weren't there lots of churches in Pensacola already? And the answer is yes. Uh, how many of you have ever found that, um, well, maybe it's like this. Do you have a favorite restaurant and your wife has a different favorite restaurant? Does one place suit or fit all? And the answer is no to that. And you'd say, well, well, what specifically for campus church did God have in mind? Well, one of the things that we mentioned is a place of shared worship for a college community and then for the greater community of Pensacola. If we, if we were talking about what happened when prayers were being offered and plans were being made, really back in 1974, Dr. Horton called and contacted a man whose name is Bob Taylor. Many here would know him as Pastor Bob Taylor. He was pastoring at the time up in Tennessee and he invited Bob Taylor to come to Pensacola and actually plant a church within what we've oftentimes referred to as a college community. And Campus Church has functioned now, this is going to be this, this July 21st, this summer, will actually be our exact 50th year of ministry. And we'll mark that day with some special things. I believe that Campus Church has always functioned as a local church, but we did so uniquely. 
When Campus Church was first founded, it was under the direction of, or the, the maybe we would even say the protection, the provision of Pensacola Christian College. So Pensacola Christian would handle things like the budget, they would handle the buildings, and they would handle a lot of the burdens that would have been laid upon a place called Campus Church. So it was unique. It was um, not the same model that a lot of churches, of course, would be familiar with. In 2016, Dr. Shoemaker, who is the current president of Pensacola Christian College, took a pretty significant, what we'd call a bold step. In fact, um, I still to this day have the privilege of serving on the board of Pensacola Christian College and have now for, for several years. And I thought it was interesting. And in fact, it even made me a little nervous as a board member pastoring in Colorado um, when I learned that, that Pensacola Christian was going to be distinctly different from Campus Church. Campus Church would no longer be under the umbrella of PCC. And I was a little nervous about that because in my mind, I'm thinking, what happens if whoever is the pastor of Campus Church goes, for lack of a better term, what happens if he goes rogue, okay? Like, man, if you have a, an issue at Campus Church that is um, against Pensacola Christian College, wow, that could have long-standing implications that would be negative implications. So I was nervous about this. But I was also very hopeful. That um, move to a form of church governance that we would be more familiar with, that would be more commonly understood as, as a congregationally um, calling a pastor and then a pastor overseeing the work, like the scripture says, to take the oversight. And then calling deacons who would serve in an actual office. And, and then those that would help actually advance the work. That was a bold leadership move on the part of Pensacola Christian College. And I also believe a wonderfully healthy move for Campus Church. So since 2016, Campus Church has been functioning as uh, with a model of church oversight that would be very familiar to many. Now, some would, would say, well, wow, quite honestly, I think it, I don't notice a lot of difference. That's because I do believe Campus Church has always functioned as a local church, just not with as traditional of a governance or of a framework for local church. So from that time, 2016, Campus Church has begun to work to further clarify its purpose, its mission, its vision, and its commitments. So just to review briefly the leadership of Campus Church. So let's do a, a quick overview. First of all, we have a senior pastor. And that, of course, is the guy that's standing in front of you right now. So I was called to come and uh, I, I um, came and, and I met with a pulpit committee and um, they asked me if I would be willing to come and candidate at Campus Church for the position of senior pastor. Um, there's probably not been a decision in the life of Julie and myself since we've been married that carried as much significance or weight for us because we did truly think we're just gonna, we're gonna fill out or finish out our ministry days at a church that we loved in Colorado. 
But we also, as we began to pray and seek the Lord's direction, we sensed that this was what the Lord would have us do, to take the step to candidate and then leave it to the direction of the, of the church. So for the first time in its history, Campus Church voted. They were presented with a pastor who candidated. Campus Church then said, yes, we do believe that you're supposed to be the person that's doing the work. And Campus Church called at that point its first pastor. So we have a pastor and then we also have a pastoral staff. We have a church staff. And, um, you know, again, because this is how churches function and this is how our church functions, the senior pastor then is the one who hires those personnel, those people. They come in and, and um, we sit down and we interact and, and interview. And then the pastor would extend an invitation for church staff, um, pastoral staff and others to serve in the work of campus church. So they would be hired by him. They would also be answerable to the senior pastor. And then our church also not only has pastoral staff, church staff, we also have 21 deacons. And our deacons, their primary role is again to free the pastors. And they do so in a distinctly biblical way. First and foremost, they do so by caring for and visiting our widows. And that really was the thing that prompted the establishment of deacons. In the book of Acts, when the church started to recognize some of their challenges, God answered that challenge with the establishment of the office of deacon. And then Campus Church also has five trustees. And these are people, again, that help meet the, the needs of the work of the church. Um, they meet with the pastor on a regular basis. And they provide basically help in two areas. Number one would be counsel. Number two would be accountability. They help with the oversight of accountable matters that pertain to the business of the church. The church would prepare, present a budget for our fiscal year. We'd review that with our trustees, get counsel, and then our trustees would approve our budget and we move forward and function underneath the, uh, the oversight or the accountability would be a better word of our trustees. We don't really ask the trustees to do the work of the church but they do provide insight, counsel, and as I mentioned before, accountability. And then I also mentioned that in um, July of 1974, Campus Church was formed. Uh, right now, in fact, I'll, I'll probably bring this either on the Sunday or one of the Sundays leading up to our anniversary Sunday. I have in my office right now a large ledger and it is the book of those who became the first members of Campus Church. And it's a pretty exciting book for me to just, you know, scroll through and look through the different names of those that were there when Campus Church actually founded as a local church. And then to see those charter members, some of which are still active, participating, involved in the work of Campus Church. Uh, so what we're gonna do um, as a local church, we're gonna have a very special day that celebrates our 50th anniversary. And uh, we're gonna do that, of course, on July 21st, um, 2024. And I think it's kind of cool that on our 50th, remember um, July 21st, 1974 was our first service. Uh, July 21st, 
2024 is also on a Sunday. So on the Sunday that we were established, we're also going to have a really special celebration for our 50th anniversary. A couple things that we've done just to give you a little, I don't know, a little heads up on this. We have already had the opportunity to interview uh, and have now on video some time with our first pastor, with Pastor Bob Taylor. I'm just curious tonight, how many of you would have had the opportunity to sit under the ministry of Bob Taylor at Campus Church? If that's you, would you raise your hand high so we could see that? There's probably about, I don't know, 40 or 50 people in this auditorium right now that had the privilege to sit under his ministry. So what we'll do is we'll have the opportunity through video to hear from our founding pastor. And then I've also asked the pastor who served the longest in the role of senior pastor. He served for 18 years as our senior pastor. I've asked him to come and be our guest speaker for the day. And that is Pastor Jim Shetler. So Pastor Shetler will be here. He will speak for our special 50th anniversary service. And then that afternoon, we're gonna do what, what good churches do. We're gonna eat. And uh, so we'll enjoy some fellowship together through the course of that day. Um, let's do some, I don't know, some, again, 30,000 foot view of, help us understand who are we as a church? So if we were to ask that question, who are we? We'd have to, to back up just a little bit and say, well, okay, what's our purpose? So our purpose as a church is something that we share with churches. Our purpose is to know God and to make him known. We should be doing that in everything that we do so that a person could see the reality of God, Christ in us, the hope of glory. You say, well, what's the mission of Campus Church? Our mission is to live as a family of believers, reflecting Christ and loving others. To take that another step, well, what's our vision? What do we see Campus Church as fulfilling? Well, we want to accurately represent the unified body of Christ, which is his church, not as consumers, but consumed with Christ. You know, when you think about that statement, to accurately represent the unified body of Christ, when we were working on this statement, one of the things that we realized that, that is unique and challenging at times to Campus Church is the varied communities that are within campus church. We, we certainly have a college community. We're a campus church. And then we also have the greater Pensacola community. We, we also have a community of people that have come together and assembled to help do the work at Pensacola Christian College. And then we have an expanding community, people that have connected with campus church through various means, literally all around the world. So how are we supposed to function? Well, we're supposed to function as a unified body of believers. And then to take that another step further, not as consumers. Today, we live in a very consumeristic culture. We, we go wherever we go, expecting something to be done for us. Now, clearly, when the work of the church is rightly done, something will also be done for us. But when our first priority in coming to church is what's the church gonna do for me as opposed to God, what would you have me do at campus church? 
if we come with the wrong mentality, we start to fragment and in a sense becoming consumers rather than consumed with Christ and his church. So those are some things that we'd say, this is who we are. And then we've defined this for several years now. What's our commitment? What would be in a sense, our core values? And that would be biblical authority, loving abundantly, evangelistic fervency, spiritual vibrancy, and social relevancy. We think that all of those help define who are we at our core. And you'll notice that we begin with biblical authority. The Bible is our authority. And then we want to be loving abundantly. They're gonna know that we're believers by the reality of the love of Christ. And then, then evangelistic fervency, spiritual life, vibrancy, and then relevant to the culture, the place, the people where God has us situated. Now let's go on again. And um, we're gonna hit so many of these things rapidly, not able to spend much time on them, but let's spend a few moments asking the question, what have we been doing? Through the course of this past year, what has been taking place at Campus Church? In part, we have been identifying our reach into different, what we referred to earlier as communities. And these are things that are happening concurrently. And we've actually identified um, to help us tonight four different communities that we'd like to give, in a sense, some updates on. We have what we call our close community, our college community, our continuing community, and then our comprehensive community. Okay, our close community. So we'll spend some time there to begin with. Our close community really would be, that would be if there are no college students that are here temporarily. Some of them are here for Boy, some of them are here for a semester, some for a year, many for four years, some for six years, um, some for, for 12 or, or whatever years, okay? But these are our college students. This is, um, th this is our college community, but our close community, those people that are not here for a college period of time. For whatever reason the Lord's brought them, they're here, here right now. Here when college students come, here when college students go, our close community. Okay, so, so what's been taking place in our close community? Well, man, just to, to put some lists together rapidly, things like our youth ministry or our senior saints ministry, uh, something that we've added new attention to. That is our women to women ministry. That includes things like ladies fellowships, in-home Bible studies, which you've just heard a whole new round of those are coming. Uh, ladies retreats, luncheons, etc. That's our women to women ministry. Then things like our conquer series. That's helping men navigate the moral challenges of our day. And then obviously Bible study groups. If you're not involved in a Sunday morning Bible study group at nine o'clock in the morning, then you're missing a key component of fellowship at Campus Church. Uh, our life share groups. Those are happening on Wednesday nights and they happen during the Wednesday night service. Now we have a whole slew of college students that participate in our life share groups. Some people might call them small groups. But I do want you to know, Campus Church, those are available open to anyone to participate in. Uh, this last semester, they did a variety of different life share groups. Some of those would be discipleship oriented. Some of those would be foundationally oriented. Some of those are book studies where they together as a small group study a book. 
Those are available for any of you to participate in our Wednesday night, small groups, life share groups. And then things like church-wide fellowships. And then when you, when you think about what, what kind of fellowships, we've, we've added numerous fellowships to our lineup of what's the church involved in. Things like the kids cookie contest, summer fellowships after church, family day picnic, the, the recent, the wiffle ball fellowship, the kickball fellowship, family game night that I announced just uh, earlier in the service. These are just a smattering of the opportunities that we are taking for church-wide fellowships. Again, they're just opportunities for the church family to interact, to connect and to share life with through fellowships. It is challenging. So we wouldn't be unaware of this, but it is challenging and especially when all of our college students, that, that community is a part of any given service, it's challenging to have fellowships outside of this setting or this room when everybody's here. So a couple of the things that we have found wonderfully successful were the after church fellowships, pretty simple, but do you remember when we did the, the kickball fellowship? So that was just recently, we had a kickball evening and that was between, let's see, our Bible study group leaders and then on the, on the close community side, and then on the college community side, we invited the, um, I think it was the class officers and the student body officers. And we just did a kickball game. Um, I hope you came out to the kickball game. Now it's fun because you get to heckle, you know, the, the old Bible study group leaders. But the thing that we noticed is the, the thousands of college students that came out just to enjoy the fellowship. Uh, last semester, or, or I guess the, the Last year, we did the wiffle ball game. And that was between our deacons and uh, on the college community side, the ushers. We had one of the ushers come to one of our pastors afterwards. He's a senior, um, he was a senior at PCC. And he said, in my time at Pensacola Christian College, that was the most enjoyable event, fellowship, that I have ever been involved in. And again, it was just a wiffle ball game and, and we served some refreshments and such, but it was just a fun church fellowship type setting. We're trying to figure out, you might have, by the way, great ideas, then shoot us a note at greatideas@campuschurch.com. No, I don't think that's really an email address, but send us an email and let us know. And we'd love to consider some ideas for large group fellowships. Um, then another one that we're beginning right now is called our authentic discipleship group. Our authentic discipleship group. You say, well, I haven't heard that talked about yet. Tonight's the first night we've actually mentioned it. Remember on our men's side, we have the Conquer series. It's been interesting to us that, that that's a program that, that helps guys who may be struggling with their thought life. It may be provided for guys who don't want to struggle and it may be provided or guys may come because they're helping others who are struggling. And as we presented the Conqueror series, we had a number of ladies come and say, hey, pastor, um, could you provide some of the same kind of help for us? So this coming spring, we will be introducing the authentic discipleship group. And that is the, the answer for how to navigate some of the challenges that we're facing in our culture and our society today. And it'll be geared specifically for ladies. Let's go a little bit further than our close community and talk about our college community. Things like our Bible study groups. So historically, what we used to have is PCC um, uh, Sunday school. 
we had campus church, Bible study groups, and PCC Sunday school. So we, we just started to process, is that really the way that campus church should oversee or be involved with? So what we did is we, we, we moved over the PCC Sunday school classes entirely to the direction of campus church. And then one of the, the next things that we did uh, more recently is we actually, for PCC seniors, we opened up numbers of our regular Bible study groups for them to be involved in. In fact, if you're in some of our adult Bible study groups, it is quite likely that you have several senior PCC college students involved in your Bible study group. It was another opportunity for us to interact with and break down some of the divisions of different communities underneath the umbrella of campus church. Um, so our college community, things like our Bible study groups, Edge Mentorship, that's a summer internship mentorship program. And then we also have internships. Those happen throughout the course of a college year where students would come and they intern with our pastoral team doing the work of the ministry. Uh, things like morning manna, Christian service, uh, PCC Christian service is something that just recently Campus Church has come alongside to partner with, provide resources for the PCC Christian service opportunities. And then Christmas project collaboration. Um, this last year, at the beginning of the fall semester, the PCC student body leaders came. They met with Pastor Young and myself and they said, hey, could we as college students participate with the special Christmas project offering. Now, remember, um, Campus Church, you raised over $460,000. You did so in just a few weeks, and they went out to three very special projects. We were thrilled that the college students said, hey, can we participate with you all in this special opportunity? And the college students donated well over $30,000 to the overall total of what was raised at Campus Church. That was an initiative on their part that we were thrilled to collaborate with them for the Christmas Project offering. Uh, consider the continuing community. That, that would be like, okay, how do we connect with Pensacola? How do we reach into our own community? We want to continue not just in the bubble of this campus, our close community, our college community, but our continuing community. What are we involved with beyond the gates, so to speak, of Pensacola Christian College campus? That would be things like monthly connect. You're hearing about that right now through announcements. Some of you may have never been to a Saturday morning connect. It's just an opportunity for us to go out into our community, interact with people, put door hangers on doors, talk to people in neighborhoods and invite people, not only to campus church, but invite them into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Uh, weekly door to door, that happens every Sunday afternoon. Many of you might be interested. Some might say, hey, listen, I love that personal interaction. Uh, every Sunday afternoon, weekly door to door. Then things, major events, things like Men's Stakeout, which is just right around the corner. Coastal Kickoff, that's a big teen event. We used to call it Back to School Bash. Now it's called the Coastal Kickoff. Things like Vacation Bible School, Food Truck Festival, Prison Ministry. We have a Vibrant Assisted Living Ministry. Healing Hearts, that's for people who are grieving, that's reaching into our community. 
Um, Firecracker 5K, we've become a major sponsor partnering with Ronald McDonald House. Ronald McDonald House is another ministry and outreach. Christmas lights drive through and food drive. M many of you helped this last year with the Christmas lights drive through. Listen, we're, we're going to have to restructure how we, how we dr bring people, drive people through the campus because we had some major backups this last year. How many of you, any of you get backed up coming onto the campus for the drive-through? We had about a 30-minute backup that was not only on Brent Lane, but actually up on the I-10 exit. So um, listen, when the police called, I just pointed them to Pastor Burdick. And so... <laughs> We, we just had so many people that wanted to come. The first year we did it, uh, we had a great group of people. Second year we did it, we doubled what we had the first year. This was our third year doing it. Our third year more than doubled what we did the second year. We've had numbers of people that this is becoming part of their Christmas tradition. And then the opportunity for us to just interact with people. Hey, where do you go to church? We'd love to have you join us right on this campus. We meet in that building right there. It's an opportunity for us to go about, in a sense, doing good. Inviting people to be knowledgeable about the ministry of campus church. Hey, don't raise your hand, but how many of you have ever had somebody, somebody um, if you've invited them to church and they say, where's your church? And you say, it's on the campus of Pensacola Christian College. How many of you have ever had someone say, oh, I didn't know we were allowed to go to church there. Have you had that happen? It happens to me all the time. Events like Christmas lights drive through actually put people on a campus where our church wants to invite them to meet. Uh, we could, we still, there are so many different things that we could mention with that. There, uh, uh, Joanna Wright is a lady in our church. She oversees a ministry called This Little Light Ministry. If you've not yet um, considered participating, it is a wonderful outreach, um, primarily to two groups of people, single moms. She's ministering to those moms and their children, and it's a reach into homelessness that has had some profound impact. Uh, this little light ministry, Waterfront Rescue Mission, uh, First Responder Sunday, and then things like financial and labor support for Grace Bible Baptist Church. That's a local church ministry the campus church has been investing in to help with the uh, building of, the remodeling of, for them, a new church facility. And by the way, they're looking right now for volunteers and skilled labor. Uh, as they get into the, the building aspect of this new site for Grace Bible Baptist Church. Uh, police chaplaincy, Pastor Wynn is the police chaplain for the Pensacola Police Department. Military ministry, Pastor Burdick's been working for about a year to get all of the approvals, all of the, the qualifications set so that he can go on to the base at the Navy base and do Bible studies, which he just began uh, before the new year, um, before we turned ourselves into the new year. Um, pregnancy center, we've been involved in our local pregnancy center. Safe passage, this is something that you'll be hearing about. And uh, then also some things that we're going to be participating with. This is a resource center fighting against human trafficking and homelessness. We, we could go on about this and, and I know it's a little bit sometimes overload, but these are a review of ministries that Campus Church has been involved in in what we call our continuing community. Let's do this, our comprehensive community. This is okay, this is beyond, this is like if you think about your Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, 
uttermost parts. Okay, what are we doing beyond our own community? Well, that would be things like Bible printing and distribution in Brazil. We've been sourcing funding Bible colleges in Myanmar and Africa and the Philippines, India. A cemetery outreach in the Philippines where people who live in the cemetery at the, the Manila, Central Manila Cemetery, doing ministry there and actually helping in some significant ways regarding the, the wonderful work that's reaching people there. A camp ministry in Romania. You haven't, you haven't uh, mentioned, or we haven't told you all about, this is a, a new opportunity that we recently took advantage of. Uh, Brent George is one of the, um, he's one of our missionaries that we support in Ukraine. And one of the things that we're doing to help Brent George, we learned about the property that they have possession of and he's trying to build a camp in Romania. We sent Brent George $50,000 with the, uh, we're sending him 50,000, we're sending him another 30,000, total of 80,000. That's gonna help them establish cabins. That will help them establish a place for eating, for meeting. It'll take care of some of the basic utilities uh, next year, this time, Brent's going to have a working camp that um, we're thrilled to be partnering with. And that's the result of, of what we would call, again, our ongoing ministry, our comprehensive ministry. Uh, children's home in the Philippines and Honduras. Uh, we did something, again, another major project. We sent over $100,000 to a ministry called the Subic Bay Children's Home. This is a ministry that PCC has actually sent missions teams to. We've had an ongoing relationship with them for years. They were having problems with electricity. They needed a major um, um, solar system to fund their site, their orphanage. And we sent the funds and then not long thereafter, they sent us back a little video from the kids. I wanna show you the video from the kids at the Subic Bay Children's Home. Let's take a look. Subic Bay Children's Home seeks to provide a channel through which local churches and individuals can extend a helping hand to destitute, unwanted, unloved, troubled boys and girls in providing them a home filled with love, understanding, and Christian guidance. Not only is our goal to provide a home, but to lead them to a personal faith in our Lord Jesus Christ and train them in discipleship. One of the many challenges we have is our electricity. Throughout the week, our children's home uses a great load of electricity from our maintenance department, school, household chores, and just everyday living. But through God's grace, He allowed our prayers to be answered this month by using the campus church to overcome this challenge. With the campus church's generosity, we can now afford our own solar energy to help us reduce our monthly expenses.
Well, that was just a little thank you from the kids at Subic Bay, but really that is a result of our ongoing, this ministry that goes beyond the, the world that we're familiar with and it is part of a comprehensive outreach to places like some of the relief efforts that we've been involved in, relief efforts in Myanmar, in Ukraine, in Lebanon, in Grenada, Turkey, Syria, Florida, Hawaii, we have sent funds literally around the world just for relief efforts to help people who are struggling in some very serious world crisis moments. And then beyond that, we've been helping with church training, facility establishment in Spain, Mexico, Togo, Ghana. We've helped now establish a medical clinic this last year in Haiti. All of this comes because of two things. Number one, special offerings. That would be Wednesday night offerings where we say, hey, tonight all of what is given is going to go to, and then we, we detail the project. And then a majority of this, and especially the large gifts that are, that are being sent out, that is beyond the, the missions that we'll talk about in just a moment. Beyond our missionaries, that would be because 20% of all that comes in to campus church is set aside for the work of missions. What we don't do at campus church is we don't ask you to do this. We don't say, would you prayerfully consider what the Lord would have you give to advance the work of missions around the world? What we do ask is that you would consider what would the Lord have you give to the work of his church? And then through your faithful giving, 20% of what you give is directed to places literally around the world. Do you know, one of the things that I think people sometimes mistake is sometimes they think, you know, what I want to do is I want my money to go to missions. I'm not being unkind about this in the least, but quite honestly, missions work doesn't exist beyond the work of the local church. If there is no work of the local church, there is no work of missions. So really whatever is given, if a person gives and says, I want my funds to go to missions, quite honestly, we don't have a fund that is set up for your funds to go directly to missions. Funds that are given go to the general work of campus church and then 20% of all that's given is directed into our missions giving and that is directed of course around the world. Now, whenever we do special projects, when we do a Christmas project offering, when we do special things on Wednesday nights, those do not go into the general fund. Those go and are directed towards the projects that we have detailed. Okay, so when you start to think about, wow, man, Campus Church has been involved in a lot of things through the course of this year. I have just a couple minutes left, but I have to share a verse with you and I'll, I'll do this briefly. What's, what's 2024 going to look like? I mean, what's going to happen through the course of 2024? Uh, some kind of change. You know, Amber sang tonight about the fact that some things don't change. Now, but what's, what's 2024 going to look like? A changeless God in a changing world. So what are we called to do? There's a, a verse of scripture, and let me share the work, because this is what it's saying. It's saying that we are called to be always abounding in the work of the Lord. Always abounding in the work of the Lord. You say, well, what, what does that really mean? Okay, 1 Corinthians 15, 58. 
The Apostle Paul's closing off um, the longest chapter in, in 1 Corinthians. And it details so much, but really what it boils down to is the Apostle Paul says, because of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, where does that leave us? He says, therefore, my beloved brethren, here's what you're supposed to be. Be ye, you be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Now, did you catch what he's detailing? He's saying, okay, be firm. That means steadfast, okay? Steadfast, firm. He's saying, all right, be immovable. I mean, be seated and, and don't be tossed to and fro. In other words, settled in what we believe. He's just saying, all right, now, come on, hang on. Do the work that you are called to do. Steadfast. That is firm. He goes on and he uses another word that we'd almost think, well, isn't he saying the same thing? Because he says, all right, be unmovable. We would say that's fixed, unmovable. You say, well, isn't isn't that the same thing as being seated, immovable, firm? It's really similar to steadfast, but it's more connected to our doing the will of God and nothing's gonna keep me from acting. In other words, nothing's gonna stop me from doing what God has called me to do. I am unmovable in my resolve to do what I know God has called me to do. You know, while the means, while this means we won't be moved away from the will of God, it doesn't keep me from being moved within the will of God. Okay, nothing's gonna pull me apart from doing the will of God, but man, I'm gonna be moving active within the will of God. Paul said it this way in the book of Acts. He said, but none of these things move me, neither can I my life as dear to myself so that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. So he says, okay, be firm, steadfast, be fixed, unmovable, be fruitful, always abounding. And again, this word is another beautiful word. It has the idea of a flower going from being in an abutting stage to full bloom. It's not just like, oh, I can see the potential. It's like, oh, I see the beauty. The word means to overflow, to exceed. And it's used throughout scripture. It's used in Ephesians 1, 7 and 8. In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace, wherein he hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence. And then he goes on to another word. He says, okay, firm, steadfast fixed, unmovable, fruitful, abounding. And then he says, filled, filled. By that, what he's saying is this is not in vain. This is not gonna result in emptiness. Filled, this is not in vain. It literally means you're not gonna be left empty handed. You're not gonna be left without a gift. You know, when you start to pause and think about, wow, this is, this is something really, he's calling me to do something and, and there's something in it for me. You say, I, I know that this all sounds like, okay, I'm supposed to be involved in, you know, the, the, this work of the ministry. Steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. You say, I gotta, I gotta rest sometimes, true. 
I, I have to be reasonable about my time and I'm completely for you. I do think it's important for us to at least ask or acknowledge, you know, as believers, reasonable rest and recreation is important and necessary. Yet often in our culture today, rest and recreation have become gods we worship. And we worship often upon that altar. Do you know, there, there is a time in which we can work. That doesn't mean you can't rest and it doesn't mean you shouldn't. But every believer should be asking and answering, what work am I able to do? And what work should I be doing? I got an email from one of our shut-ins this last year. And she said, Pastor, um, I'm planning on, and she told me what she was planning on doing. She said, I'm going to bake some cookies and I have um, 10 neighbors that are in the cul-de-sac where I live. And so I'm baking cookies. I'm going to put in Christmas tracks. And um, I've ordered, she said, I've ordered some tracks. I'm going to put in with them. And I'm going to go knock on their door and just talk to them about the gospel when I give them the cookies. And I wrote her back immediately. I said, hey, this is wonderful. Can we send you some of the Silent Night tracks? And she said, yeah, that would be great. And um, I was so encouraged that she was trying to figure out a way to connect with neighbors in a way that she could. It was thrilling to hear her write back. And she gave me a report on how her interactions went with her neighbors and, and what one guy did. He just kind of looked at her. And when she said, you know, do you know Jesus Christ? Are you going to heaven someday? And he looked at her and he said, I go to church. And it opened up a gospel conversation because church is not your guarantee to heaven. Do you know what thrilled me the most was, was that she was trying to figure out a way that she can do and help advance the work that God has called her to do. There's a the therefore at the beginning of that verse that we looked at. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast. You be this, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. As much as you know, your labor is not in vain in the Lord. It's telling us that because of Christ's resurrection, what you do for him really does matter. So the question remains, what are you doing? And that's something that really will define what will happen in this report in 2025, should the Lord tarry. I know, I know how my calendar looks. I know how yours looks. And I'm not trying to say, hey, come on now, all of us can do a little bit more. The only thing I'm saying is all of us should be asking, what should I be doing? You should be steadfast and unmovable, always abounding. You say, how can, how can I help us get to the place where our church is abounding? I have one, one final list to show you and, and we'll pray and leave. Find your place to serve. Find your place to serve. Where should I be serving? Do you know if you go to campuschurch.com slash volunteer, it's going to redirect you to a place where you can start to figure out, are any of these areas places where God has gifted me and would allow me to serve? And you might say, there, there's nothing on there, or I'm already serving in this area. I don't know that there's something else on my plate that could be, listen, I get it. Now, if your plate's full, the only question you should ask, is it full of the right things? 
So should something be moved off so something else could be moved on? Or no, my plate is perfectly, you know, set right now and I'm, it's just what it's supposed, wonderful. Then, then just pray that the Lord will direct the attention of others at Campus Church to, boy, are there areas where I should be involved? Next, look for an area of ministry that may be unique to you. You might say, you know, I looked at the list and the, all the different opportunities, the things that really doesn't fit me. Wow, if you ask the Lord, Lord, what do you want me to do? Don't you think that's the kind of prayer that God wants to answer? What do you want me to do? Lord, I didn't see anything there. Nothing just stood out at me. So, so God, what do you want me to do? When, when church members come and they say, hey, the Lord's directed me to, and they start to explain something that doesn't happen on Sunday. And it doesn't happen on Wednesday. It happens Tuesday at their children's gathering place where they do, they do this with a neighbor. They're doing a study with a friend. They're doing some things that God has directed them to do. What a thrill. So look for an area of ministry. It may be unique to you. Number three, speak with one of our pastors regarding areas of service. Hey, um, I wanted to ask, would there be a way or is there a need or do you see me serving in? Man, come talk to one of our pastors. Ask them about an opportunity that the Lord may be opening right now that you might be just the person they're praying for. Number four, give to the work where God has you planted. Involve yourself financially. He said, well, oh, wow, are we, are we talking about? Yes, absolutely. You know, when we start to talk about ownership and, and, and our resources and God, how much of my money do you want me to give? We're really asking the wrong question. What we should be saying is, God, I'm a steward. You have blessed me in wonderful ways and I'm grateful for it. By the way, you know, God, God gives you things to enjoy. Enjoy what he's given you. But function as a steward. Ask God, God, truly, I'm here for a limited amount of time. I, I'm vaporous like every other person who's stepped foot on planet Earth. I'm going to be here. I'm going to be gone. Lord, you've given me resources and things that I'm overseeing and responsible for. What do you want me to do with that? I, I would even say some of you have yet to take the infant step of obedience and just start giving to the church. So I just don't know that I can afford to do that. This statement's not unique to me and I hope it's not the first time you've ever heard it. But truthfully, you can't afford not to give. Trust the Lord with your giving. Maybe take a new step, a new stretch for yourself and say, Lord, I've given this. This was like a first step. I'm gonna trust you as I give. You say, Pastor, I don't hear you talk often about giving. It's, it's honestly because I haven't. And you say, is the church in trouble financially? No, the Lord's blessed us wonderfully. I'm asking our church to give obediently, not so much because of what campus church needs, but because we as individuals need when we simply trust God as stewards of what belongs to him. And then number four, uh, or number five, number five, lastly, love God, the people of God, and those who need to come to God more than you love serving. That's an important closing statement for us. 
You know, we've really closed tonight by saying, hey, listen, let's be abounding in the work of the Lord. This next year will be defined by what has the church done. And the church is nothing more than the individuals that make up the body. So it really will be defined by what do you, what do we do this next year? Okay, so, so love God, love the people of God, love the people who need to come to God more than you love serving. Okay, let, let me explain it this way and, and I'll be done. How many of you have ever been told no to some area of service before? Don't raise your hand, but you've been told no to some area of service. Has it ever been frustrating to you? How many of you have ever been redirected in an area of service? Redirected, like, okay, th this is what I was doing, and then you got redirected. How many of you have ever been actually removed from an area of service that you said, that was my area of service? Do you know... When you and I come and we say, God, I want to love you more than I do serving. We've come to a really wonderful place. What's going to happen then is we're going to take appropriate ownership of every area where we serve. Why? Because we love God. God, this is for you. And I want to do this in such a way that it magnifies you. It honors you. I'm serving you. But if God redirects us, if, if for whatever reason... We're told, okay, hey, we want you to do this now. Whoa, that's my area of service. No, 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 no. Remember, we have one that we serve. And if we love him first and foremost, Lord, wherever you have me serve, may I love you more than I love my area of service. It's, it's strange, but if we love our serving more than we love our God, our serving becomes what we worship as opposed to the God that we're serving to worship. I anticipate that 2024 is going to be a wonderful year at Campus Church. The Lord continues to do exceeding abundantly above what we could ask or think. I trust that at the end of 2024, you'll look back and say, Lord, it's not only been a great year at Campus Church, it's been a great year for this member in particular. And may it be said of each of us that we are always abounding in the work of the Lord.